This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. My people, welcome. It's Eric Erickson. Delighted to be with you today. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the show, as always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the show notes, the live stream, the podcast, social media links, all that. Um, Man, what a game last night. The poor old Detroit Lions. They got further than they've been since 91 uh, so I was on a plane and I watched, I was flying back from Palm Springs and got to watch the Kansas game against the Ravens. And then that game started and I landed and it was unbelievable to have the Lions ahead, two touchdowns ahead. Then I got to the hotel and suddenly get an alert on my phone that it's a like tie game. Oh my gosh. I feel bad for the Lions fans, but um, it's the hope that kills you as they say in Ted Lasso about soccer. I'm so I'm I'm it's I don't even know how to describe this phenomenon of people who just can't accept good news who are still angry like and then they get mad at you for pointing out the good news. So can we have a a grown-up conversation here cuz it's kind of wild to me that um people just and, and I think I know what's going on here. Let's can we just take some good news for a moment, folks, without it being partisan? The economy is doing really well. Over three percent growth. Wage growth now exceeds inflation. And according to several metrics, inflation is now at about two percent. It's not going to go down. We're not going to see wa- we're not going to see prices collapse. But we are seeing wages now increase more than inflation, so people's buying power will start going back up if it holds. And I pointed this out on Friday in my daily email. Even though it wasn't on air, I still wrote. And there were some really angry comments about it. But what about this? What about? What about? What about? What about? What about? They're lying. They're lying. They're rigging the numbers. Let me explain to you how the government can't really rig the numbers. And I know it is now a belief among the conspiratorial people who think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are in an arranged marketing gimmick that the government cooks the books, rigs the numbers, and lies to us. 
and they may very well try, and oftentimes they revise the numbers down. Like I expect they may revise downward after three months when they get all the data in, revise downward GDP. But it's really hard for the American government of all governments to rig the data. Some of you will never be disabused of the notion because you want to believe it and you want to believe that people who accept the truth are the rubes when it's actually you. But unlike China and many other countries, the American government data is very, very hard to cook the books because we have private sector data. Companies release their earnings reports, and if companies release their earnings reports and they've cooked the books, they go to jail. So they do a very good job of keeping everything honest. And there are outside payroll processing firms. The biggest is ADP. And ADP can release numbers based on what it's seen from its internal data. And if ADP releases fake numbers, ADP goes to jail. So the private sector companies release all of their data, and so we have a pretty good sense of what the government data must be. And the government data tends to align with the private sector data, and the government data shows economic growth to 3.3%. And I realize some of you will never be convinced it's not rigged, and there's nothing I can do to help you. But the reality is when the private sector data and the public sector, public sector data are kind of in accord, it's not book rigging. It's kind of one holds the other accountable, which is why it's hard for the government to cook the books. Contrast that with China, where in China, the government is the only entity allowed to release economic forecasts. They used to allow the private sector, the, the quasi-private sector in China, to do it. But under Xi Jinping, it's prohibited now. Financiers are not allowed to talk up or down stocks anymore. They're not allowed to say anything bad about the economy. It is a nation of liars lying about their economy, and there's no way to verify what's happening. So what do they do? Private sector surveyors from the West pay attention to what's happening in those quasi-private businesses in China. Are they laying people off? What's their job growth look like? What are American business sales in China? They can look at American data from China and extrapolate some things. And so, again, it's outside analysts have to use the quasi-private sector in China. And I say quasi-private sector because it operates in ways as private sector, but it's still ultimately controlled by the communists. But there are ways to get a sense of what's happening in China through this private sector data in a way that you do here uh, that economists have figured out. In our American data, it's just extremely hard for the government to rig it, despite what the conspiracy theorists say and what you might believe, because of all the private sector data. So the reality is our economy is doing well. The European economy is barely growing. China has been in a depression Japan is stagnant. In the United States, this is from the Washington Post, despite lingering consumer angst over inflation, the surprisingly strong economy is outperforming all of the major trading partners. Since 2020, the United States has powered through a once-in-a-century pandemic, the highest inflation in 40 years, and fallout from two foreign wars. Now, after posting faster annual growth last year than in 2022, the U.S. economy is quashing fears of a recession while offering lessons for future crisis fighting. Inflation is cooling. The economy is growing 3.1% over the past 12 months. Wages are rising. K-12 
can we just take the good news? And a lot of people, I think the reason they don't want to take the good news is there's a nervousness that it helps Joe Biden. That's why they don't want to take the good news. Because they're afraid if they embrace the good news in their lives and the lives of their neighbors, that it helps Joe Biden. And in fact, this is from NBC News. After a year of recession doomsaying, an unexpectedly resilient economy is boosting the White House as it ramps up selling its record to Americans who've just started shaking off the quote-unquote vibe session. At the same time, senior administration officials say they're increasingly confident the situation on the ground can largely speak for itself. The economy grew at 3.1% pace between the fourth quarter of 2022 and the same period last year. Every inflation measure is cooling. The job market remains strong. The stock market has hit record highs. Wages are now surpassing the inflation rate. The growth of wages offsetting inflation. People are starting to have more money in their pocket all of a sudden. And that trend line, if it continues, which is likely, will rebound the economy. And we may get out this without a recession. Now, I will tell you, I'm still convinced something wicked this way comes. I, I'm still convinced there's a black swan event. It could be war in the Middle East. It could be uh, oil prices spiking because of events in the Middle East. It could be lots of other things that crater the economy. I still think it could happen. At the same time, never bet against America. Never bet against America. Does Joe Biden get credit for it? I think the private sector gets credit for it, but historically, whether it's fair or not, presidents get blamed for a bad economy and they get credit for a good economy. Presidents get the credit. Whether it's fair or not, presidents do. I don't think I or you should be talking down the American economy when it's actually a success story right now. I don't think we should do that. There are other things we can talk about. We can still talk about crime. The, the Biden administration continues to, to fail on crime. We can talk about the border. It's a huge issue. We can talk about the escalating events of the Middle East. But why beat up the American economy when it's starting to help people? Here's, here's the problem politically. If you and I aren't willing to accept the reality, if we're going to peddle conspiracies and tell people it's, it's really not that grand or glorious, it's it's really not the good economy. When they start feeling it, and this is one of the advantages Republicans have right now, is despite all the economic data, people aren't feeling it. But the trend lines I'm pointing out to you suggest that they will begin soon feeling it. Look, people's take-home pay is less than it was, even though wages went up. A lot of people got pay raises, but their take-home pay went down because inflation was so high. But people are still having their pay boosted. Maybe not you specifically, but generally, wage rates are going up for people. And because the wage rates are going up for people, the wage rate is now exceeding the inflationary rate, which means all those people who are taking home less money because of inflation are beginning to take home more money, so their spending power is up. That means they can spend more money. That contributes to the economy. And when people start seeing that and you're down in the economy, dog in the economy, and people are starting to feel it, they're going to think you're out to lunch. There is, however, angles for the GOP to play in this. One is the economy is still overall, it's not where it should be or could be. The economy is better 
But that's like when you get over a sickness and you still got all the gunk in your chest you're having to cough up, where the Americans are still coughing up the gunk of Joe Biden's Bidenomics. Likewise, where's the biggest growth in the economy right now? Government. It's not the private sector, it's the government. So there's lots of good economic news out there, and it's economic news we should be cheering on. But we can also rationally talk about what's instead of dogging the economy, saying the numbers are made up, it's not real, the economy's not doing that well, we'll point out, yeah, the economy is doing well, but government's growing faster than the private sector, and that's a problem. Point out, yes, wages are going up, but they're going up only in terms of inflation because the binomics caused real earnings growth to go down. So, yeah, we've turned the quarter, but for Joe Biden, our wages would be higher than they are, and our take-home pay and spending power would be more than it is. But also, just take some good news. I remember when George Bush was president. Remember, he came in and a recession started, and the Democrats accused Dick Cheney as the then vice presidential nominee of talking the American economy into a recession, they credited Dick Cheney with having so much power that he could talk the American economy into a recession. And when the recession broke and the economy rebounded, the Democrats kept talking down the economy. And you get to 2004 and John Kerry runs for president. And John Kerry isn't just making an anti-war statement. He's talking down the Bush economy and it's roaring for people. And John Kerry, in addition to being flip-flopping and wishy-washy and and bad on national security issues, Americans felt like John Kerry was lying to them and not honest because Americans were feeling the economic recovery, and John Kerry was telling them their lives still sucked. We need to be very careful about putting ourselves in a position where Americans feel like we're lying to them and telling them the economy's bad when they feel like it's good. Right now, people still feel like the economy is bad, and I, I, I totally understand that. People haven't begun to feel the benefits, but what I'm telling you is if the trends continue, they're going to. And we should not be worrying them and in, in, in poo-pooing an economy that is actually, in spite of Joe Biden's best efforts, doing well. And here's the thing, and this is the great selling point for the GOP, I think, is you say the economy is doing well right now. Imagine how much better it would be doing but for Bidenomics. Imagine how much better it would be doing but for Bidenomics. And I think, given Americans' disdain for Joe Biden, there's a persuasive case that, yeah, we're recovering, but it could be a whole lot better but for Joe. Hello, my friends. I I must talk to you about a very serious topic. My buddy Chris Chandler from my flagship station, WSB, raised with me yesterday. He sent me the article, said he, he wanted to make sure I had seen it. <laughs> Can't tell you what else he said about it. We both we both thought, oh my gosh, really? This is this is the outrage of the day. Yes, apparently, apparently the outrage of the day. Let me just read you from this piece. The the headline. Why are so many robots white? (laughs) And in fact, um, they include this caption of a robot, and it says, this little guy is very cute and very white. This is written by, of course, a professor of sociology at the University of Pittsburgh. 
problems of racial and gender bias and artificial intelligence algorithms and the data used to train large language models like ChatGPT have drawn the attention of researchers and generated headlines, but these problems also arise in social robots, which have physical bodies molded on non-threatening versions of humans or animals and are designed to interact with people. The aim of the subfield of social robotics called socially assistive robotics is to interact with even more diverse groups of people. Its practitioner's noble intention is to create machines that will best help people help themselves. The robots are already being used to help people on the autism spectrum, children with special needs, and stroke patients. But these robots do not look like people or interact with people in ways that reflect even basic aspects of society's diversity. They're upset that uh, rates of diagnosis of autism in children of color are higher than for white kids, and yet they're stuck with white robots. White robots, yes, the races of robots. By the way, do you know why the robots are white? Because it's easier to see the germs and the dirt and to clean them if they're white. It's actually cheaper to produce a black plastic than a pure white plastic. So one, the white makes it look higher end, but also uh, because they're used in so many clinical settings, it's easier to see the dirt and grime and clean them if they're white. That's that's why it has more to do with the visibility of the plastics for sanitation than anything else. And yet it's been interpreted by people who see race and everything as some sort of racism. And we need multicolored robots now. That that's that's the that's the thing. We got to have multicolored robots in the world. Oh, I don't th- are these classified as first world problems? The white robots, the white robots, the same reason the white iPad was the white iPad, the plastics more the white plastics more expensive. It it it's easier to see the grime and the germs. Come on people, grow up. Good lord. Americans for Prosperity is a grown-up organization helping conservatives around the country grow the movement and grow the fight for freedom. Uh, I spent time with some great AFP people over the weekend, and they are just putting points on the board for school choice around the country. They're championing school choice. They're championing fiscal sanity as the fiscal cliff approaches uh, to avoid tax cuts. Do you know there are some conservative groups now that are even embracing carbon taxes? AFP is fighting against that nonsense. They are fighting for free markets and free people. They want you on their side. All you have to do is go to AmericansForProsperity.org slash Eric. AmericansForProsperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go fight with Americans for Prosperity for limited government, for free people, for school choice, for families. They'll teach you how to be a better activist. They'll educate you, give you the arguments. They'll teach you how to be persuasive, how to persuade your neighbors and your local government, your state government. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. They've got chapters in 36 states. They're organizing the others. Be a part of a movement. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up today. Hello, America. Welcome. Delighted to have you with me. Um, Can we talk about natural gas? The president of the United States has decided to shut down uh, LNG terminals in this country and uh, prohibit exports. They claim it is for climate change. They claim it is to help America get over climate. Um, White House climate advisor Ali Zadi was asked, can you share the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that this would cut? Can you share the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that this rule would cut 
in the short term? Can you detail that in any specific way for people to understand? That's a really, I think that's part of what this uh, review is all about, is to understand what are the implications of LNG. Um, we've started to learn more about leakage rates at different parts of the supply chain, upstream, midstream, downstream. We've started to learn a lot about what happens to uh, LNG as it's chilled and then shipped uh, overseas. Um, we're also seeing major shifts in uh, the demand for this product. What is it backing out on the other end? Um, you think about a lot of our allies and partners who use that LNG today actually are on a trajectory to back out that demand, uh, to replace it with things like clean energy and energy efficiency. So this will take all of those factors in and hopefully uh, produce a uh, an answer that helps us answer this, uh, this really important question. In other words, they have no idea. They just shut down a key part of the American economy. And again, you know, you, you take the good news, the economy's doing well, and, and here they come along killing a key part of it. The conspiracy theory, of course, they're doing it to punish Texas over the border. It actually has way more to do with, than just to every – Texas always thinks it's about Texas, not necessarily. It's about the obsession of the religious zealots of the climate cult. So what they're doing by shutting down these liquid natural gas projects is – they are enriching Russia and Qatar. The United States is a mass exporter of liquid natural gas. It's the natural gas is chilled and liquefied, put under pressure, and it is shipped abroad. We've been doing massive shipments to Europe since the Ukraine situation because they had been so dependent on Russia. We have a number of terminals, and Joe Biden's going to prohibit more terminals from being built, some of which are going to be shut down. Remember, those of you listening to me up in Connecticut right now, they're shutting down one of the major uh, LNG terminals outside of Boston, which is a key um, – it's a key conveyor of liquid natural gas to supplement the power grid during the winter. So you may have blackouts in New England because of this sort of stuff. But more than that – what I want you to see in, in, in this is that the climate agenda is designed to weaken the United States and enrich our enemies because all it means is that Russia and Qatar are going to produce – and Iran, by the way, and Iran and Venezuela. They're going to produce more to make up for the slack or to make up for the deficit of American natural gas. So these countries are going to get richer. They will produce more and we will produce less. American companies will not get the money. Russia, Qatar, Venezuela, Iran, they will get the money. They will produce more and ship more and it will benefit them. This is a recurring theme of climate change as the Democratic Party has bought into the cult of climate change. What they're really doing, and it's by design, remember, I, I, I've told you this before, and it's the God's honest truth. Environmentalists, major environmentalists in the 80s were called watermelons. They were green on the outside but red in the middle. They were funded, many of them, by the Soviet Union. Many environmental causes in the 80s were funded by the Soviets, and today they're funded by China. Because environmentalism has always been the back door through which communists can wreck capitalist countries. Because you, 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 foster and develop 
the existential fear and dread of destruction of the planet. You get a bunch of good progressive moms to send their kids to therapy over to the destruction of the planet. You try out a Greta Thunberg to scowl at everybody. And you get the white wokes of the West to worry, fret, and dread, and they begin to shut things down. And that helps China. That helps Russia. That helps our enemies. They're not going to stop using natural gas. They're just going to get it from our enemies instead of from us. So you're going to hurt Americans, and you're going to say you're saving the planet, but you're not going to see a, a decrease in LNG. You're going to see an increase in exports from other countries to offset our decrease. It's absurd. But that's what the climate cult is all about. It's an anti-Western cult. It is an anti-Western cult that believes that capitalism, which has elevated more people out of poverty than anything else, is inherently bad because it elevated those people out of poverty. By elevating people out of poverty, what? They can afford new dishwashers and dryers and washing machines. They don't have to do the dishes themselves, so they're consuming more electricity. They can have uh, indoor heating and air. It's why the left is so desperate to keep African nations impoverished. They don't want to cure malaria. Look at their look at their solution for malaria. Instead of spraying DDT to kill the mosquitoes in low dose DDT, they scared everybody about it. The 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 silent spring and the, could have done low dose DDT killed killed malaria. Instead, what was the left solution? Well, we'll just have them sleep in tents at night. That that's what it is. We'll we'll just let them ha- sleep in tents at night. And in, in the process, in the corruption of it, they keep African nations impoverished. And in keeping African nations impoverished, they're not giving them reliable power. They're not giving them a reliable power grid. They're not giving them heating and air systems because the, 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 the fear of the left so often is that if you give them heating and air solutions, uh, they build up a power grid. Well, suddenly their carbon emissions are going to go up. They wish your quality of life to go down. And in your quality of life declining, they sleep well at night. And they're never going to give up. We talked about this last week. They're not going to give up their private jets. They're not going to give up their lifestyle. They want you to give up your lifestyle. They want you, they, they want the decline of, of, of your lifestyle while their lifestyle is elevated. They want to shut down businesses around the country making money through the production of of oil and gas. It emboldens our enemies. It weakens our economy. It lowers our quality of life. It produces blackouts and power grid struggles in this country. And that's what they want to do. That is the design of what they want to do. So the Biden administration is doing something new as well. They're they're proposing some legislation. Get this. So they're proposing legislation that would build out the power grid, but not just build out the power grid. It would also build out pipelines in the country. It would not just build out pipelines in the country. It would rapidly increase permitting in the country for oil wells. They're calling it permitting reform. And now you want to know the kicker in the permitting reform? 
it would appropriate $3 billion to increase capacity of power and gas, and it would send that $3 billion to the nonprofits and local governments who participate in the environmental review process. And it would require FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, to pay the expenses of those who intervene in regulatory proceedings but can't afford to. In other words, according to the permitting reforms the Democrats want to do to speed up oil and gas pipeline approvals in this country, they'll actually appropriate $3 billion to give to the nonprofits that are opposed to the oil and natural gas pipelines to be able to sue the regular I mean this is like this is so Orwellian it really you got to laugh at the hubris of it that people are starting to realize this is actually a horrible horrible reform idea they're calling it permitting reform to speed up the process and they're actually going to pay nonprofit environmental groups to sue the oil companies to prevent the permits from getting approved that's their regulatory reform it's all by design It's all so deeply demented. It's all to lower our quality of life while they sacrifice nothing. How many Americans are going to be put out of work? And by the way, we know there's a real problem. So why is there an LNG terminal in New England outside Boston? Why is there an LNG terminal, a liquid natural gas terminal outside Boston? Any idea? Because of the limited pipelines into New England. That's why there's an LNG facility in Boston, in the harbor. It's to unload. It's not to export natural gas. It's to import natural gas from down the eastern seaboard because they don't have enough pipelines in New England. The regulators have blocked construction of new pipelines in New England for natural gas. A lot of those states, led by environmentalists, they don't want new pipelines. So they had to build an LNG terminal to have LNG shipped in by ship from uh, Florida and other states, and now they're shutting it down, and they don't have the capacity of the pipelines to get more up there. It is a disaster in the making by the climate cult. They see it coming. They're happy with it coming. It's what they want, and they know most people are oblivious to it. Ten years ago today, I was waking up to my wife having cracked her tailbone. Why did my wife crack her tailbone? Because 10 years ago yesterday, the southeast got a massive snowstorm. An hour south of Atlanta, we got four inches of snow in our backyard. Yesterday on radio, I started at 4 p.m. and got off radio at 6 a.m. this morning 10 years ago. I went to bed. My wife, we didn't have sleds. She got the bright idea of using a cookie sheet. Down the hill she went, across the curb, through the cul-de-sac, down the neighbor's driveway into their backyard, broke her tailbone. It was like a scene at a Christmas vacation. So I'm woken up to the howls of agony from my wife and my son, who at the time was tiny, telling me that um, mama hurt. Mama was real hurt. Uh, can you imagine, though, that snowfall, the, those sorts of weather conditions? They happen more likely in New England regularly than they do in the south. You're going to be down some power plants up there. They're turning off coal-powered plants. They're shutting down the liquid natural gas. They don't have enough nuclear. They say they're going to rely on wind and solar. Guess what happens when the snow covers the solar panels and the wind doesn't blow? What's going to happen in New England? It's all readily predictable. It's all part of the plan. It's all by design. It's all malicious. It's designed to wreck our economy. It's designed to lower your lifestyle. They won't sacrifice anything. They want you to sacrifice everything. You want to understand why Trump is doing so well? It's stuff like this. 
because the middle class understands the elite are out to get all of us. They're out to get us. They're out to give us get us to give up our way of life while they sacrifice nothing. They're out to ruin businesses while they sacrifice nothing. They're out to ruin your quality of life while they sacrifice nothing. And people have decided instead of fixing it, they just want to smash the regime. You can't really blame them. It's like the elite trying to control our currency and trying to control your spending, trying to get you to switch to uh, credit cards and get away from cash. They don't want you to use cash anymore because they can't control and monitor your spending. It's a secret war on cash. Swiss America has been sounding the alarm about with soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, banks teetering on collapse. Swiss America can educate you on ways to protect your hard-earned assets right now. Get and read their shocking report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free. All you have to do is call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash is spreading daily. It's business and government together trying to control the way you spend money. The Secret War on Cash report is free to my listeners. All you do, mention Eric Erickson when you call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. You can also go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. Makes it super easy. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or call or text 800-289-2646. Just mention my name, Eric Erickson. Message and data rates apply. Hello, America. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I I would like to just say thank you to Delta for getting me home safe yesterday. But, you know, as all the doors have been falling off the planes, well, only the one, but they found all the loose nuts uh, on on all the Boeing jets. First of all, I was glad I was on an Airbus yesterday. Never, never even, but like the, the 737 is like the most popular plane on the planet. And now suddenly uh, Boeing decided to allow the bean counters in charge and, and they made all sorts of cuts. If you know the background here, everybody on the right was, oh, it's DEI, it's DEI. No, it's not. It's it's because Boeing and McDonnell Douglas merged and they put the McDonnell Douglas people in charge. And the whole reason McDonnell Douglas had to merge with Boeing is because McDonnell Douglas wasn't making great planes anymore. They had the bean counters in charge. And they screwed up the MD-11, which was supposed to be the replacement for the DC-10, uh, the glorious plane that has the engine on the on the tail. Uh, I loved that plane as a kid, it was, although the, the Lockheed TriStar was better. But nonetheless, I digress. So they merged and they put the bean counters from McDonnell uh, Douglas, who had screwed up McDonnell Douglas in charge of Boeing, and they started nickel and diamond and, and, and outsourcing a lot of stuff. So, for example, they outsourced inspections to India because they could save money because the unions in the United States were charging so much. And stuff like that began to degrade. This had nothing to do with DEI. However, there is a DEI problem, obviously, when you have, for example, United Airlines um, highlighting how much it's put into so much diversity as opposed to the caliber of the candidates for office and, and so much of the caliber of the people who are flying. If you've seen some of the videos some of these airlines have trotted out, it, it does make you wonder what are they? It's not exactly safety first for some of them. Well, as this has become a big thing, Uh, People on the right have been talking about it. You will not be surprised to learn that NBC News has an expose. How right-wing influencers turned airplanes and airports into culture war battlegrounds. Now, last I checked, if you're the one out there bragging about the drag queen flight attendants, you're the one engaged in the culture war, not the rest of us who are pointing out the absurdity of it. This is what happens with the left is is the right responds 
to the dumb things they've done. They're like, oh, you're just in the culture. We are fighting the culture. No, we're just responding. I mean, you're the guys who did the promotional video showing the drag queens in down the aisle. Now, I, I just got to tell you, as as someone who's been flying since I was five-year-old and have literally been in a plane crash and had to go down the slide as an 11-year-old by myself with no parents on the plane, um, the drag queen flight attendant wearing the high heels is not getting off that jet without a broken ankle. So maybe actually, like, like if you're going to do that, like highlight something other than the flammable hair and the three-inch high heel shoes that aren't going to allow you down the slide without ripping the slide. Take care of it. The whole thing's just absurd, people. It's absurd, and the fact that we're pointing out the absurdity of it doesn't make us the culture warriors. It actually makes us the same people. Now, I do think there are too many people on the right. Like, you know, you got people on the left who they cash in on the conspiracy theories, and, and they cash in on, well, I mean, look at, like, what's her name from the, the 1619 Project? She's cashing in on the systemic racism, and everything is systemic racism, and everything's racism. I mean, for God's sakes, one of the things I've had to talk about today is white robots are a sign of racism in the world. Seriously. They're worried that they use white plastic for robots because you can clean them more easily, and yet that's a sign of racism. When everything is racism, nothing's racism is what they do. But on the right now, you've got all these people making money off of DEI. So if anything happens, it's, all oh, it must be DEI. Maybe, but also maybe not. Maybe the world is full of shades of black and white and gray and other colors, and sometimes it's the bean counters and not the DEI people. Sometimes you got to be able to nuance and synthesize. And I think the internet has made us all so stupid that you literally do have people out there who believe that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are in a conspiracy theory to get Joe Biden elected in an arranged manufactured media marketing campaign instead of being in a relationship. And that Roger Godell really wanted the Lions to lose. I assure you, he probably wanted them to win. Would have been great ratings to see Detroit headed to the Super Bowl.